0: shouts to the combos court sponsor prize picks for a first deposit match up to $100 use code combo that's right use code combo for a first deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy let's get into it
1: Fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the P Ball Breakdown live show coming at you on the road uh, from parts unknown. I think we're going to be a little bit secretive right now, but where I am, but I'm not, not at home, not in my normal studio, but I'm always joined with uh, by Andrew Combo Salop to discuss the NBA
0: combo. Great to have you here. What's happening, my man? Parts unknown. I feel like they used to say that in wrestling about, you know, wrestlers keeping them mysterious. From parts unknown, wait, unknown. Yeah, the right. Grappler. You know, you remember The Grappler? You're probably
1: too young to remember The oh, Grappler. That's
0: my before. My, I mean, I was watching older wrestling when I was younger, but not too – what was his full name? Just The Grappler?
1: The Grappler. I have no idea. And by the way, I'm not even sure I ever saw this. It. We used to say that in high school, and uh, I had no idea who it was or what. But anyway, The Grappler a good name. Uh, okay. I, I have to think that if you were going to be a wrestler, grappling would be the, the your best skill. In
0: real wrestling, for sure. I don't know about pro wrestling. <laughs>
1: right. Right. That's <laughs> true. Anyhow, um, well, let's, uh, let's talk some NBA. And by the way, if you're out there and you want to have, you know what, maybe we'll do something special a little bit. Maybe we'll, we'll take a couple more questions from the comments if they come in that are worthy. Otherwise, if you want to make sure that your question answer, your questions answered, uh, Super Chat's the way to go over on the YouTube side. And um, by the way, I always say that. But like you know, we are broadcasting to Twitter at the same time. This is technology growing at the same time. So, oh, wow. uh, if you're on Twitter, you can watch and, and interact. Great, no problem. But if you want your question answered, uh, the best way to do it is super chat on YouTube. Uh, but well, you know what? If I grab some things, like Bernard is saying, uh, some nice things to us. Thank you so much, Bernard. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll do a little thing. How about this? I'll even, let's test this out here. Oh, okay, all I have to do is tap it on my iPad and it goes on the screen. Very nice. Good for you, uh, StreamYard, for uh, making that easy. Thank you, Bernard. Anybody else out there uh, listening, uh, let us know that you're out there. But um, let's, let. oh, you know what, let's do this one first because this is a good question. Iman asks, what do the Knicks need to become a contender? that's a really great question. So there's been interesting, interesting rumors out there. You've seen them, combo, right? Have you seen the the most interesting trade rumor so
0: far? What is it? Well, I mean, I think it fits with the Nova Knicks narrative. Mikel Bridges. Oh, you heard that one. Okay, yeah. I know, I know, I know you're getting to LeBron. I get it, I get it. But
1: yeah, uh, LeBron being traded. Oh, and Eman, Eman. I, I was worried about that. I thought that I did that wrong. But nonetheless, thank you for the great question. Um, uh, you know, LeBron being traded uh, is probably completely nonsense and not even a thing to consider. But uh, I, I started to wonder, well, what would a trade like look like for that? And I came up with, why not Julius Randle, Evan Fournier for LeBron? Boom.
0: How Maybe does a that, pick. How does that help the Knicks for their future? Well, okay. Sorry, no, no, it, no, 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 no. Sorry. Wrong question. How does that help the Lakers for their future? Because that means they're looking into the future if they trade LeBron, right? Right, I mean, it, you
1: know the problem with LeBron is you're never going to get back what you you know equal you know value, right? Um, but you want to get something back for him, and uh, I, listen, it's again, it's nonsensical. It's not going to happen, so it's kind of this like a thought experiment, right? okay but um, but in theory, like they already had Julius Randle, which is kind of funny. Um, True. but you get back a guy who is still really young or pretty young, yeah, he's he's not even twenty eight yet, I don't think although um, I can look that up. Uh, and, uh, you know, a guy who's a, a, a legit scorer inside has shown the ability to shoot from the outside. In a similar way to LeBron, he actually can facilitate, not like LeBron can, but he but he can make passes and, and set team rates up and stuff. Uh, he might have, um, oh boy, hmm. Never, I don't even know if I want to get into that. But nonetheless, <laughs> maybe you know what I'm going to think about. But um, I, I think it might be a win-win. They get a Fournier who is a Fournier. They get Evan Fournier who is, you know, an elite shooter who's just rotting on the bench pretty much. Um, and they need more of that. So, uh, you know, I, if it's going to be a problem where they're not going to win and it's a distraction and LeBron's being difficult, I don't know, then uh, why not replace him with an equally difficult player <laughs> who can at least replace a lot of this production?
0: I mean, they need shooting because LeBron is there. I mean, if you trade LeBron, it's not even about fit anymore. It's just acquiring the best talent possible at that point, right? Like, you're kind of looking into the future. You're not going to win this year.
1: Okay, no, let's talk about that. LeBron on the Knicks. Does oh. that put them into... Is that? Is that oh, I'm sorry, you're talking about Lakers, right? You're not going to win no, this well, year.
0: Yeah. Well, we could shift to LeBron to the Knicks because, yeah, I mean, I think it does obviously raise their championship ceiling. It would be interesting how Brunson would play with the LeBron, but you know, the Kyrie LeBron thing worked the way LeBron thing worked, but I mean, it will take, it will take the basketball to Brunson's hands as well. It will a little bit. It
1: would, but, but you know, we've seen LeBron now be deferential and let the point guard do his thing. At least to cross half court, right? He'll kind of throw it to him and kind of just waltz up the court or walk up the court and kind of be disconnected to the offensive play until maybe the last, you know, 10 seconds of the possession where then they have to go to him and he has got to do something. So, um, you know, but, but there has been some interesting, you know, LeBron has been functioning a little bit more in the context of an offense the last couple of years, a little bit. So there might be a way to figure that out. Uh, and I, obviously what is killing the Knicks right now is what the Lakers laid out, which is, um, and it's kind of funny that during that whole um, ten game or uh, nine-game winning streak, uh, the other teams didn't really do this, but they basically just blasted it, uh, Brunson, got it out of his hands, and none of the other Knicks could do much uh, with the ball in space.
0: Yeah, I mean that's definitely an issue, especially when Brunson's not playing. I mean, they OG's out, Brun, uh, OG's out, Randall's been out, so you know, yeah, against the Lakers, against the Lakers, they were just at a talent deficit, right? Like, you know what, it, Whatever you think about D. Russ, fine. I mean, they have Austin Reeves, LeBron, and AD. I mean, you match that up with the OG-less and Randall-less Knicks team. I mean, there's just a huge talent deficit there. Then that's why you're here, Combo, because you just reminded me. Yes, they were a deficit. I mean, when
1: you're watching like on your phone when you're traveling. Uh, or I was. What was I? I was on my phone watching it. Just you forget about like. Oh wait. OG is not out there. So you're right. Uh, yeah. If if they had OG and Randall, they probably win that game, right? I mean, they were competing with them, and it was going back and forth. The Lakers ultimately strangled them at the end and took control. But uh, you're right. They needed the guy like OG. But then again, like um, if you traded Randall anyway, which I kind of thought there were maybe whispers about this. You don't necessarily need to get like one player back that's the same kind of you know Randall ability. You could get a couple guys that fill in a couple things that they need and let OG be that for um, and give them that what they need there. So I, I, I don't. So I guess let's talk about the Knicks for a second. Um, they're not title contenders right now,
0: right? When they're. Oh uh, no. I mean, it's close, though. It's getting closer. Incremental movements towards that, like OG trade, was an incremental movement towards title contention. I don't think they're quite there yet.
1: Okay. So uh, I, I agree with you. And by the way, I'm worried that um, Brunson's going to be reduced to like a puddle of sweat on the floor by the end of the year. He's, I, I looked it up. He covered more ground in, you know, in tracking data than almost anybody in the league. There might be five or six players ahead of him. Uh, just the amount of, of, of movement he needs to do and it to create and be there and, and bail them out is incredible. Um he seems like he's durable and can can do that, but right, uh right. you know, we've seen that happen with like Harden before. And uh you get to you have to be worried about what's gonna happen in the playoffs. And you will see them take it out of his hands and, and you know, take their chances with, you know, hitting uh Randall in space and letting him work because he might fall into that whole, you know, tough mid range shot game again and that's gonna kill them in the playoffs. So um, that's why I've always kind of felt like Randall's the guy that they could upgrade. Um, and they don't need to upgrade with the other one guy. They could get a couple guys that could kind of fill in there, let OG slide in that spot more. Um, now, the other thing is, is, do we know anything about whether uh, Robinson's going to come back this year? I don't think he is. Okay. So yeah. I mean, that, that's too bad. Is it? I mean, I has been great. He is. He's been great. And he should start when Robinson comes back without question.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's too bad in, in the sense that we don't want to see anybody injured and not playing. But I mean, they've been a okay without Mitchell.
1: Yeah, it. it would, I think Mitchell would be great coming off the bench for them in that you know, give him twenty minutes and and do, wreak havoc uh, that entire time. So that would work for them if they could get it. But um, I also like though. Um, the rest of their roster I mean, you know what why am I blanking now uh Sims Jericho Sims I really like Jericho Sims uh I think him in the backup role too is is, is as well uh did he actually start against the Lakers am I losing my mind
0: I don't no. remember that part I would say think about Jeremy, no. uh, Jericho Sims is like has he learned the game yet has he learned the game of basketball yet like he's a right. crazy he's a crazy athlete yeah. Yeah. He got
1: off the ground. You know, I'm sorry. Hartenstein um, uh, started and Sims got 15 minutes. But um, yeah, that was right. Um, but oh, you know what? Heat Check is out there. Oh, it's great to see Stefan. Maybe Stefan, you want to come on the show? We, I'll, I'll invite you on if you want to come on. I can, I'll send you the link uh, in an email. Um, if you don't know Heat Check, you got to check out his YouTube channel. he has got the, the best uh, breakdowns. After, well, uh he's got as good of breakdowns as I have I guess right uh <laughs> so but we've collabed together I haven't we haven't done it in a while we should probably do that but uh Stephen let me know in the comments if you want to jump in oh i didn't do they know your first name i think they know yeah they know your first name let me know Stefan, if they want if you want to come on we'll bring you in um but um anyway so i, I think that that would be an issue that they want to upgrade another big uh would be nice for them and then Stefan says he a uh, backup point guard is also key um, so what do I'm you up, think about that backup point guard?
0: I mean, Brogdon, I've been saying that for a while, that that'd be a great fit there.
1: I just saw that pop up, right? Um, I suppose, is Brogdon on the block? Because it seems like you'd hear every day uh, different trade scenarios with him.
0: I mean, he's automatically in the block for what stage of his career he's in and where the Portland Trailblazers are.
1: Yeah, but like again, it's been a little bit quiet in, in a way, right? It seems like it's been quiet. Although I did see that one rumor. Um Uh, okay. Seven's not, he's outside. All right. Hey, listen, you know, uh, phones work outside, but no worries. We'll, we'll, uh, (laughs) we'll have to get a collab going soon. We'll talk. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's the interesting question, um, about the Knicks is, is, you know, where are they? Is this a tantalizing uh, tease? Uh, Did they have a strength of schedule thing that let them get on a nice win streak? Um, You know, this happened a few years ago when Randall had gotten there, and they remember they had the same winning streak right around this time when they were kind of very mediocre to bad, and it catapulted them and then they got into the playoffs in a decent seed, and then they, they, you know, Randall did his mid-range stuff that was troubling, and they uh, ultimately got knocked out in the first round. Do you remember that? That was like, what, three years ago now?
0: Yeah, that was a while back. I mean, last year they had a pretty good playoff run. They beat the Cavs. I mean, yeah. it was solid. They want to obviously add on that. But I think they're in even a better position heading towards the All-Star break than they were last year. So we'll see. I, I
1: agree. I mean, listen, Brunson is Brunson, man. He, he is him. He should be in the MVP conversation you know so i'm going to do a video soon actually should i tell everybody i don't want anyone to steal my idea but whatever i'm going to do a video and brunson's going to be featured in a very surprising way uh, in, a, in a method of we talked about you know i'll just tell you post-ups because um, we've i've said this before at least on this show he's the best post-up player in the league I, I think he's by far as far as scoring in the post best post-up player in the league i mean Jokic, luka yeah, yeah, I think he's better than them. Now, the reason why I think it's more interesting is that he turns drives that are cut off into post ups.
0: The thing is, though, is like Jokic in the playoffs. I'm taking as a post player over Brunson in the playoffs, right? I mean, <sighs> I don't know. It turns. He's so just, tricky down in there. Terms of just pure post. I mean, I, I think they're both in the MVP conversation. So kudos to both of them. I'm just talking about like straight post. I mean, Jokic is tough. I mean, I guess what you could say is uh, skill-wise and, and size-wise, he's going to get that
1: shot off, e- off easier, right? And he's going to be able to yeah. make those little floaters and little turnarounds because he's so big. So, yeah, but when we are talking about, like, pound-for-pound shiftiness, footwork, uh, craftiness, yeah. the whole thing. Uh, no one's doing it like him. No one's doing one-footed step-throughs like him and then the shot fakes and the, and the pivots. Uh, you're saying he's he, a more you know,
0: you're saying he's a more skillful post up player than anybody in the league. Yeah, right? I, mean, I think so.
1: Sense. You know, and sense. and also you combine that with his uh, explosion. He is he is so much quicker than like Jokic. I mean, I wish he was taller, but uh, he's he's so much quicker than Jokic. He's so much quicker than than Doncic. Um, who else is in that? You know, MB MB might be as quick as he is, um, but he is now out. And uh, what did you make by the way of the Embiid stuff? where uh, the main the leading uh, news reporters who are you know tend to be under the not under the thumb but if they want to continue getting access they kind of need to listen to what the information they're getting and have to report it that way so they're reporting it as a procedure with a meniscus dislocation I, what did you make of all of that language I mean, it s-
0: sounds like it sounds like a, a meniscus surgery
1: it, it it that's what it is but they won't say it and they won't even cuz anybody said, who knows what no, they, they, they
0: they said it's meniscus, and they said it's surgical. What do you
1: no, mean? No, wh- Well, I, Woj and, and I think Shams as well were, are kind of re- weirdly reporting this as a meniscus dislocation, I think was the term, and, uh, and a procedure that he's undergoing. You didn't see these
0: t- tweets? Yeah, but a procedure means surgery.
1: Um, I know, but why won't they say it? It's very strange. They always say surgery. And by the Wait, way... Read,
0: read the, read the tweets to me. I
1: mean... Oh, um, I mean, I could try to find it real quick because um, let's see here. Is it going to come up quick? Um, by the way, the one footed step through argument, like every time I think we inch forward about explaining to people why it's legal,
0: um, the, we go five I, steps I've had, back. I've had meniscus surgery. Obviously, every surgery is different and every knee is different. Did you have a but, surgery uh, re- uh, repaired or, or uh, no, taken they, out? So, so if I, I, had, I have had two ACL surgeries and in between those I had a meniscus surgery and you're out six to eight weeks. Uh, do they re- I mean, do they repair it or do they re- remove it? They shaved it. They did not remove it. They shaved it down, down a little bit. Yeah. Right. Because remember, they used to just remove it, and that
1: would actually get you on the court faster, but you lose several years at the end of your career because of that. Now they just repair it, which is really great. Um, and uh, and you, you, it takes a little bit longer to get back, but then it's you have a, you, you don't lose the years at the end mm-hmm. of your career. But here's what Woj should have uh, reported on one of the tweets I see. Um, Full ESPN story on Joel Joel Embiid's looming meniscus procedure. Um, here goes: uh, We'll undergo a procedure this week to repair a left meniscus injury. Um, now, I think Shams might be the one who had it as uh, a meniscus. Let me see if I can find that one. Meniscus dislocation. Um, that sounds. Um,
0: I never. I never even heard of that. That's I know because it's that, like that the most bad.
1: ridiculous kind of way of. Uh, let's see here. Let's say here. Um, that don't sound good. Yeah, he's out for a couple months. Oh, here it is. Uh, they say, sources say, this is what Shams reported, uh, Well, the, pro- oh, actually, he did say, he said corrective procedure in the first part, but then later on in the next sentence he goes, Embiid's uh, surgery. So they did that. He said surgery will address a displaced flap of a meniscus. Again, that's not displaced. That's that's a torn meniscus. Anyway, it's very strange, I thought. Uh, and I thought, I think Brian uh, Sutter. Friend of the uh, friend of the breakdown also expressed some very strange, um, you know, uh, or concern about how they were reporting this. Part of it made me feel like they just kind of wanted to make it seem like maybe it's not as as serious as it was, and maybe they're all going to try and get him back early. But like I think we already saw that he shouldn't have come back those in that game against. He missed the Denver game as all that pressure, and then he came back, and then he looked terrible against. Somebody landed on him, though. That has nothing to do with the pre-existing injury. Yeah, he looked terrible before that. He should not have played. You know what I mean? He really was laboring, and I think that he was feeling the weight of the 65 games to play MVP. uh,
0: uh, Two things could be true. I mean, that he shouldn't have been playing, but it doesn't directly correlate with his previous injury either.
1: No, absolutely right. That's correct. correct. And 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 he could have uh, not injured it anymore. He could have just hurt a lot when the guy fell on him, for sure, but didn't, like, make it worse. But the bottom line is... is and then everyone wants to criticize the 65-game minimum for why you should have to play that to win the MVP. Um, although, that said, I, I don't mind having an, an, a minimum, right? You should have some guidelines, but then here's what happens, is that these guys will feel this undue pressure to play through injuries, right, to get to that threshold. So... Um, that said, I, you know, Embiid has won it. I don't know exactly why. Right? He won an MVP.
0: Embiid, yeah, last year.
1: Yeah, last year. So um, so it's like, yeah, that's done. You don't need to do it again, do you? I feel like you can prove yourself and know and then be ready for the playoffs. So that was a mistake. I don't know, you know, why they let him do it. Now, that said, again, did he tear the meniscus in that last game? And that's why? Probably not. It probably was just bad the whole time. Um, so maybe it doesn't matter at that point. But either way, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. It's Jan. It's February.
0: 5th? What's the date? February 5th. So, let's just say he's out for two months. You know, to, not, to change the subject slightly, I was thinking about like Embiid, and there was like embiid Nick stuff before the season. Is there a star player in the NBA who, who doesn't have like trade buzz or him leaving the team buzz around them? Yeah. Is there, a, is there a single
1: player? who's Who doesn't have trade buzz like LeBron does right now? At any
0: point, yeah. Oh, at any point in their career? No, even like in the past year, let's say. I like Luka. Lakers. I hear Lakers. I hear, like, him him landing in the Lakers eventually. Oh, well, okay. We have to then say that the
1: hashtag future Laker doesn't count, right? Because everybody will DS well, about what, that. That's
0: what I'm saying. There's, like, no play. Like, you were hearing Giannis is a little upset. And, obviously, he was because the coach changed. But there's not, like, like, Giannis used to be the guy that you think, like, okay, he's definitely going to. And he's even gotten like buzz about leaving. You know, I don't know. I, if don't, to, I don't know if you want to call it trade buzz, but just star player leaving team buzz. I never
1: felt Giannis as like uh, th- that. He was like completely full, full in on Milwaukee. I don't know. Like okay. maybe, but um, that's my uh, point. Was, I guess you could know, say
0: that about any player now, right? It's like, like
1: Steph. F. Steph is the guy that you're talking about, basically. Who's, who's Charlotte. Listening? Um. Okay. I mean, yeah. I. I but not this year. Oh, and yeah, actually, did that come up this and, year? Maybe.
0: Yeah. And, and it's interesting. The only way they could blow it up is to trade Steph. There's the like. They probably. They obviously probably don't want to, and they won't. And he'll retire Warriors. But you can't blow it up by like trading Clay and Draymond or anybody else.
1: Well, I mean, if you threw a first or two in there, you could get rid of. Sorry, you could trade uh, those guys. But but you know, um, it was the get, you know.
0: Was the get rid of on purpose, or that was a?
1: I, I meant to say trade, of course. Um I these guys are great players and they deserve all the respect that they have earned over all those wow. years. But, but, P- but
0: P- PC Nick.
1: But that's all the effects. yeah, but that is the problem with um with it's a business, right? Like, you know, the, the Celtics learned this the hard way when they had McHale and they had um, Parish and they had Bird. They could have traded those guys and continued to go uh, and have an elite, you know, run, but at some point someone decided, well, we can't trade them and then they it saddled them. Now, that said, had Len Bias not died, then I think that they still would have been able to continue a lot of that um, through into the 90s where before they got terrible. Um, but that's the nature of the game as well. The ebbs and flows, you're going to have good teams and you're going to have bad teams, and it's going to take, you know, it could take a while to get out of that, you know, watch. Someone actually asked an interesting question on Twitter, I forgot who, uh, about uh, the difference between um, the Magic and the Pistons, both of whom kind of began their rebuild at the same time, and look how well it's worked out for the Magic and not for the Pistons. However, there was an interesting caveat that I saw people mention that was very smart. Do you know what that was? Why Why the... why the Magic were able to rebuild quicker. Why? Well, because they started that rebuild by being able to trade players like Vucevic and, um, and Aaron Gordon. So that brought back a lot of riches where I don't think that the Pistons had that same situation to then, you know, rebuild like that. Interesting. Now, that said, they, they had drafted high and they've gotten players and they've kind of mismanaged and they haven't had great coaching. Um, and they might still not have great coaching. Um, so they keep striking out on that end. And that's a big part of it, wouldn't you say? Most definitely,
0: most definitely, totally agree.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a reason why certain coaches can come in right away and and, and, and unlock things that the teams, you know, weren't doing or couldn't do. It doesn't necessarily have to even be X's and O's.
0: I feel like there's only a few coaches that are difference makers, and I would say you could, like, this is a great question for you, but you would be able to answer this um, profoundly, I would say. Um, Spo, Nick Nurse, Ty Lue. I mean those are the guys that are really game changers. Uh, Steve Carr, I mean, but I mean it's not yeah. going well now.
1: Yeah, it's so weird because the Warriors, you know, they've been able to hurt the really good teams in those games and like you know they had Denver down by big a big number and they had um lakers now they oh, i'm forgetting there's sorry on the road my my brain is much much but they've had a number of games this year where they've been able to really you know pound those teams for a while in those games which means something to me i don't know what it means but I, you know what it means is this clay needs to go to the bench uh badly and needs to play 20 minutes a game like that will really help them
0: there's two things that are working for the warriors working in the Warriors' favor right now wiggins is playing better yeah and kaminga is taking like an instant leap lately yeah,
1: yeah. Kaminga still does the, the 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 interesting stuff, but but that becomes less of, uh, of an effect when he's really scoring the way he is and putting pressure on the defense the way he does. The so second best and, and player and, right and, now, right?
0: Second best player, uh, right now, uh, yeah, now. yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so that's interesting. So if he comes along and then and Wiggins gets better, they're talking about trading Wiggins, but maybe they won't now if he's kind of got himself back into shape and or maybe is, they, or maybe they
0: safe. or maybe they will yeah.
1: now. Right? Maybe his, his, <laughs> his uh, value is higher. Um, you know, but it's interesting because you could go like Wiggins, Kaminga, you know, Curry, you know, I, I don't, I, I guess Clay and then, and then Draymond go, you know, small ball. Uh, and you could probably get a lot out of that as well. Um, but they, G- they, give need me, that, to give, me that, give me,
0: that, give me that five again,
1: uh, Kaminga Wiggins together in the front court, uh, alongside Draymond and then Curry clay.
0: Oh my God. I mean, the Minnesota and Lakers would destroy them. No.
1: Uh, well, we saw some really good defense by, uh, Draymond on, um, um, on AD. He w- he seemed to be somewhat effective even though he's much smaller. So there's something okay. there, um, something there indicated to me when I was watching that they like, oh, they could, they could quote unquote, get away with that. Uh, then, then, then I also saw that, you know, Clay was guarding LeBron a little bit and then they can always put Wiggins on LeBron. So they had some guys that could guard LeBron as well. Um, so I'm it felt the... okay to me. It felt yeah, okay yeah. to me. Believe um, me. Um,
0: right. Playoff LeBron with Clay guarding him? I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that for Clay. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, LeBron is LeBron, but it's also, you know, the 39-year-old LeBron. Like, or, is, it 39? is that 39? Yeah.
0: 38,
1: 39? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, LeBron isn't LeBron. Uh, you know, he is – he's putting up some numbers, but he's not Bro, the I same guy.
0: He's not the same guy, but when I see D'Lo bounce it off the floor to him and how effortlessly he threw that down uh, – Yeah. He, he, no, he looked, look, he looked like right. a great athlete. <laughs> when LeBron has
1: got his full speed he, and off the one leg, he really can still get up pretty high. But but other but when he's not in that situation, you know, yeah, did, did, which did is you, see, you know,
0: did you see the clip of him sliding his feet versus Brunson too? Like he got some yeah. lateral movement still. All right. So you think that he's gonna he's just saving all that for the playoffs? Oh, he's gonna look different in the playoffs, and he's even better than last year in the regular season right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we shall see. I will uh, have an open mind. Uh, on that as well, but uh, but I, I don't I don't I think that the the Warriors could still hurt them. Uh, that that's the thing. The Warriors can hurt any of the teams in the West, but that doesn't you mean they beat
0: anybody. The teams in the West in the know, seven game series, like the Kings right now. It's weird to say like the Warriors like the Kings when it's really the opposite, right? The Kings are influenced right. like the Warriors. I mean, when they're hitting on all cylinders, it takes a lot of your defensive bandwidth, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it, more th- more than even like the isocentric teams like. You know, like the Celtics or guys that just get their best players the ball and they dance. You know, it's like when you got that player movement, ball movement, it takes a lot of your bandwidth. Nice artwork in the back. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I just figured I would get a little bit more. Well, I've got this like Beatles uh, uh, cover uh, lighting on my face. Do you know the Beatles cover I'm talking about? No, uh, that's, you know, there's a band called Beatles.
0: of course, I mean it's before my time. Obviously, it's a legendary band, and yeah. I should know well, that, but I don't. It's
1: the um, it's I think the, the album is called The Beatles, and it's you know you see basically half their faces and shit shadow, the other half is in light. Um, but at any rate, uh, is it I like need some how
0: the, is it like how the Mona Lisa is like half smiling half not or is that is that different? Uh,
1: they they have a similar expression to the mona lisa by the way in that so that's something oh. but no it's it's more like it's more dramatic like literally only half their faces are seen basically the other do half you, are very do dark. you think
0: it was influenced by mona lisa and that was a prophet prophetical moment by combo is prophetical a word um no but i'll, I'll, I'll allow it um okay. prophetical
1: would not be the word but it would be um the word is um
0: prophetization um,
1: Profit. no it's um oh god i you know what i i i often wonder if having covid a couple of times within a few months has done this to my brain where i don't have it but that oh. said i will do crosswords and they have a crossword now the new thing yeah. on the crosswords is it's timed so me and the wife will compete like you know about who can do it faster and i can still oh. do it faster so i i have the recall there but the word i'm looking for is someone's going to tell us uh, with the beatles thank you wow um, I used to know every lyric and every Beatles album in, in order for every track, and I don't know if I could do that anymore. Is
0: somebody in the comments section going to give us the word for prophetical? Prescient,
1: Prescience. Thank you. Wow. Prescience, prescient. P r e s c i e n t. Prescient, which is like yeah, you, like you could see in the future and you're predicting properly. Uh, I, I use the term nostrambalis, by the way. Prescient, I like that one.
0: you use prescient in um, what is that for? Um, for uh, manscaped? Preshabalent would you say uh, yeah <laughs> sure whatever it takes
1: um i used no, to teach oh, yeah. english you know that in high okay, school so, so please use prescient for me in three sentences let's see if you're quicker than chat in three sentences I'll, i mean i'll just say like combo predicting that lebron will be traded by the end of the year is very prescient really Which is would, a,
0: uh,
1: yeah is it but funny. but i but it's not because it won't happen but i'm just using an example But I used to teach. So here's what I used to do. Ready? I used to teach um, uh, high school English, and uh, in a really big inner city high school, where the um, the level of um, English mastery wasn't that high, you know, comparatively, ninth grade, eleventh grade, Um, and so I had to figure out how to catch these kids up. So one thing I did was, in fact, I did this in the very beginning. You might like this. We I put I, I used to have everybody sit in a circle. Which, by the way, I still have to apologize to the next door neighbor of mine in the bungalows I used to teach this where it was so loud to move the chairs back where they were because I had to borrow a classroom for the seventh and eighth periods. So, um, but we moved them in a circle because I liked it better because you couldn't hide in the back if you're in a circle. I could sort of be in the middle. I could see everybody. They can see me. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, I wrote on these. Uh, so in the very beginning of the of the of the of the semester, the, you know, the class would change. They'd all people would be adding, dropping the whole time for the first week. You couldn't get anything done because if you started teaching right away, then I would say thirty percent of your class would be different by the end of the week. Right? That's in the public school. So. What we would do is the name game where we're all sitting like in a circle, and I would say my name, and then I, or I would say my name, and then you're next. You say my name and your name. And the next person would say my name, your name, and their name. And then it goes on and on all the way through, right?
0: That's a memory game, right?
1: Memory game, name game, whatever. So, you know okay. what I mean? So basically, the guy at the very end gets screwed because they have to know everyone, right? And everyone before that's easier. But then you go the other way, and then they get to be the first, and then they don't have to, you know, they only have to know the first name, which is theirs. Got it? Are you with me? I am with so you. what this is doing is it teaches you, you're learning how to learn because it's repetition, it's listening actively, uh, it's, it's sort of memorization and remembering. Um, I used to write down in my book uh, the, my prediction for the grade that the student was going to get based on their performance in the name game that first week. And I was almost always right. Because you could tell, right, from that, how they processed and what they, you know what I mean? It's like, now, that said, is it, it fate? You know, is it fate? Is it like, uh, does everyone have, you know, self-determination? Like, can they can they get better? Yes, they can. But invariably, I would be very prescient with my
0: predictions of what their grade was going to be. Are you familiar with Naval Kant? No. He's a philosopher, angel investor, and he talks about how, like, Bruce Lee would take different disciplines in terms of he was a martial artist, but he was also a philosopher. And I feel like that's the same with you. Like your experience with the English language and coaching and filmmaking all comes together for your YouTube channel, which makes things a little bit different, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I I would turn myself a a searcher. And whenever I encounter fellow searchers or or seekers or uh, travelers, um, you know, we're the ones who are always looking for ways to uh, to improve or to change yeah. or to alter it or it's figure important. out better ways, better methods. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a definitely a personality thing. And you, I'll encounter coaches who do not have this, uh, who are not like that, and and will will bristle
0: against new stuff. So the reason the reason humans are like that, and some don't think that way, or maybe it's in human nature not to think that way, even though it is because we're shooting up people to space. But it's like it it, it it's time efficient not to be that way, right? Like people just go to back to their old habits because it just saves time for them.
1: Uh, I, I, that's an interesting take for sure. That's definitely part of it. Uh, I, you know, I, I look at it like on Twitter, we shared a, a Brunson amazing step through off of one foot, right? He's pivoting on the right foot. Then he lifts the right foot to, to shoot it, right? Which for a long time was taught not to do because they thought it was a travel. And when I keep trying to insist to people, we we had somebody out there who was on a a bender for a day who just wouldn't uh, acknowledge no matter what we told them, no matter how how many rules we showed. Part of it was is that I'm sure at some point in their youth, they were told by someone they trusted and believed in that it was a travel. And when new information comes in that goes against that, uh, they can't accept it, you know, no matter what. And it's an interesting phenomenon that we see in politics as well. Where you, you get an intractable situation where they're, they're definitely not searchers, they're not seekers, they're not looking for new information, right? But they, they can't handle it, even though it, the evidence is right in front of them. And that's a, that's a really interesting thing that we see a lot of um, across the board now, and especially in the U.S. And um, it's a, we got to figure out a better method to break through that, because... You know, a lot of times it's belligerent. They're they're very hostile when in, in their reaction. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Let me let me walk him through the rules. So they understand it. And it, it like it, it, it every once in a while we get through. And the guy's like, oh, okay, I get it. Thank you. But almost never does that happen. They just usually just disappear and they don't. It, they just move away. They don't ever. They don't ever develop. They don't ever progress. The more we know,
0: the more we realize we don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, imagine if you thought you know for the longest time that we are the center of the universe. That was what everybody said. And then one day someone came along and said, you know what? It's the sun is the center of our solar system.
0: Whatever, oh yeah. Right? I mean, if we, if we saw what people were doing 500 years ago and we just took like a time machine, we would think it's absolutely crazy. The interesting thing is 500 years from today, yeah. what's going to seem absolutely crazy at that
1: time. Absolutely. Well, we have a super chat. Let's put up uh, this on the, on the screen. Thank you so much, Andrew P for the super chat. I really appreciate it. Um, are the New York Knicks better without Randall's ball stopping and no D okay. Andrew yes, uh, up until this year and up until recently, and I got a couple things I want to say. Are you ready for this? Because this gets into psychology as well. Uh, Randall okay. is um, an, an intriguing, uh, polarizing player because at any minute you don't know which one you're going to get—the one that's dominant on offense, who can is a bucket no matter whenever he wants one, and will then drag three players to him and make a nice pass for a nice open shot for a teammate. Or is he the ball-stopping guy that uh, you know, takes terrible mid-range shots and just forces things up? Um, is he a guy who is happy and, and interacting with his, with his teammates in a really positive way and they're having the best time? Or is he the guy that's sulking and upset and whatever? He goes, he just switches back and forth. And, in fact, here's a, a, an interesting hot take because I don't watch the Knicks uh, 100% of the time, but I feel like I've noticed this year and more recently um, this, this – um, this personality trait identified by his teammates and them going out of their way to try and keep him happier, like almost like screwing around with him as much as they can and like, you know, giving him hugs and really just giving him the love that they, that, that will will keep him in that mind space of positivity. And I, and I don't know if it's conscious. I have no idea if that's whatever, but I, I just, I'm like sort of feeding off of that energy in a weird way. And that's what it feels like to me. Do you feel that way? Does that resonate with you at all? Probably watching even more Knicks than I do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you take on the identity of the team's best player. You know, like, that's part of the reason why the Raptors were such an excellent two-way team and so confident when Kawhi was there, right? Like, it's almost, even though Kawhi doesn't talk, it felt like they embodied what Kawhi was in a lot of ways, right? And I feel like, you know, I think you're right when it comes to Randall, but, you know, Brunson brings in that, like, Nova culture. And now he got everybody in Nova. It's a family affair. His dad's on the sideline. Tibbs knew him since he was a little kid. And I think everything trickles down from Brunson and there is just better culture there now. And so Randall's more under the umbrella of Brunson's culture instead of Randall being the top guy of the culture.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I've run, I ran into Brunson uh, to the father uh, at some point, um, you know, when he was coaching, I want to say maybe with Tibbs in Minnesota, am I completely making that up? I think that um, that, um, that Mr. That, Brunson.
0: Okay, that could make some Rick
1: sense. Rick Brunson, sorry. I remember Rick Brunson as a player, right, in the NBA. And I remember asking him, because here's the thing. We've seen that clip of him working with his, with his, with Jalen, right, as a 12-year-old or whatever. And he seems like a real hard ass, right? And he's just you know yelling at him and making him go up and back and up and back. And it's really cool to see him actually then make that kind of pull-up from the elbow, just like he did then. Uh, And you would wonder, okay, because Brunson seems like the kind of guy who is um, funny and really light and a great teammate and knows exactly, isn't a hard ass like that, right? I mean, he's tough, and you better not, you know, get in his face. But um, he seems to have that great balance. And you'd almost think that, like, what we saw with Rick, uh, how he's raising him that and in coaching him, then you know, maybe he was complete hardest. But you know, I, I remember running into him. I think it was Minnesota, if I'm not crazy. Can someone fact check that with me and make sure that Rick Brunson was a, a, an assistant in Minnesota? And I walked up to him. I said, "You know, um, do do the players that you're coaching now know how mean you were?" And I, I kind of, like, did it to see, like, what his reaction would be. And he smiled and, like, really thought that was, a, you know, was funny and, and, and reacted in a way that was like assured me that, that Rick Brunson, for how tough he was and how mean he appeared, also was funny and got it and had a good sense of humor about all of that, right? So that tells me that Jalen got, has got, you know, inherited that from him as well. Um, you know, Corliss Williamson was the same way. Courtless Williamson on the court as a player—I don't know if you remember—was the meanest sob you—you you wouldn't want to get anywhere near that guy. And you know what? He's the nicest guy in the world as a coach now. And so—and we joke about that too with him. So. So um, that's, that's part of it. So in my mind, like, you know, Jalen could identify that. He's got his college uh, teammates with him as well. They could all have said, you know what? We realize that when Julius walks in the door and he's really kind of upset or down or whatever, he doesn't play well. So let's put it on ourselves to, like, keep him up and make sure that we keep him happy in a great mindset and mind space uh, so that he'll, you know, perform even better and then he'll probably deepen their relationship and all that stuff. So that might be the key. That might be the way to avoid having these funks where Randall will go into these weird things where he just ends up being a, a player that hurts the Knicks. And, and I even showed in the video uh, that I posted on the Knicks the other day, they're, they're getting him to play defense off wall like they're getting him to rotate and they're getting to be there early on help uh these are things that i don't remember seeing from randall before and um as a guy who's got a big body like that who can affect the the lane uh it's important that you can get him to do that so they might have cleaned a lot of that stuff up and you know what maybe i just talked myself into you know getting rid of the idea of even trading him away
0: Who randall i mean yeah you know what it is when when you got og you kind of and got and got um you say got rid of, and then you kind of apologized after. But that's basically what they did with RJ. They got rid yeah, of him. just keep rubbing um, it in. Yeah. <laughs> but um, th- they went in a direction like, okay, we're not even really fishing for another superstar. We're building with Brunson and Randall as our pillars because OG is such a great fit next to those guys. Even though he might not be a tremendously better basketball player than RJ, he just fits so well next to Randall and Brunson. And I think that's what they're moving forward with. So, yeah, I don't think they plan on moving off either of them. You
1: know? No, I, and and they they might not even really have to. Okay, so with that said, if they can keep, if they can get rid of all that Randall stuff where he goes in those funks and he's much more consistent, um, and then you got Brunson and you got OG and you got everybody else following in line and Hartenstein doing his thing. Um, hmm, who's going to beat them in the playoffs? In that oh, situation, it, say that all over again. So you get you get everything perfect, right? You know, and by the way, I caught Tibbs laughing not smiling, laughing during a game the other day as we went through all the footage. That never happens, okay? So imagine if you get everybody kind of in line. And by the way, maybe maybe the, the Villanova dudes are figuring out a ways to unlock um, uh, Thibodeau because his sour demeanor puts a cloud too over the team a lot of the time when there's, there's never even a smile. You know, they come in off of going on a run and he's not even like, you know, hey guys, let's keep doing
0: this. It's like... I the thing, with, the thing with Tibbs was just like, you know, defensively, obviously always been a solid coach, but like on offense, it's almost like, okay, we're going to play defense and then Randall and Brunson, you do your thing. But I think like with I Heart playing and then OG fitting in so well, the offense has just looked so much better. Right, and and he used to do a lot
1: more like triangle stuff, and it's it doesn't it's not really there. now it's more you know just sort of playing through Brunson, and that works. But again, that they, that's why you need to have a secondary scorer like a Randall yeah, out there yeah. and, and O.G. to be able to cut and get open. Um, you need talent if you're going to do that, and they have it. They just got to make sure that they're all healthy. So, um, Sonny makes an interesting point about I I did that. How um, do I don't get? There we go. Hi, current. Um I did that video on the Raptors Lakers where um, Darko went nuts after the game and got fined and all that stuff. And, um, you, you know, but he was wondering Sonny's asking why there's so much hate uh, on the Lakers Toronto foul video. Um, I'm already almost forgetting uh, what, what the hate was, but I, you know, and it didn't do that great either, even though usually videos like that do really well when a coach comes out and says something terrible or, or, or inflammatory, and then I can do a response. So, again, that, that was interesting as well. But I think the, 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 the ref videos I've been doing recently um, tend to try and rationally explain how the refs got to their conclusion. And most of the time, those refs are right because they're that good. That's why they're in the NBA. Um, and I feel like there's such a hate towards the refs. And by the way, I get it. We've we've now gotten to the situation where the guy is pulling up off the one and everyone wants to say he's just leaning in. He's not really doing a basketball play to try hunt for fouls. And that's now a big negative thing when, you know, players getting contact has been a thing for, for decades and decades. Right. That's the thing that we teach and you learn. And it's like, great, get to the free throw line. That's an important thing. But something's turned on the from the audience perspective, right, where they, A, they feel like that's a bad thing, and then B, um, I think that they're kind of fundamentally misreading some of these plays. And what they see is Patrick Beverly, like, like throwing himself into Steph is really Steph moving into Patrick Beverly, and Beverly is pulling up on the one instead of the two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah do what would you like
0: to add to that (laughs) i mean i always defer to you when it comes to the honestly like with the travel stuff and the you know the foul stuff it's like i don't even know what's going on anymore because sometimes you could just like run through the lane like a running back and sometimes they'll call the most ridiculous travel that's not a travel but also with the foul stuff i don't get it either because they tried to take away some of that stuff two years ago and now it's like it's back I know. I, when you say take away, like they allowed them to play more uh, physically. Right. I don't know why we went away from that. They, that was They terrific. were doing something with like the Harden-Trey stuff, you know? They were calling it like the Harden-Trey rule where like you couldn't stop on a dime and somebody behind you would get the foul anymore, you know? Or, or I would even uh, give that to Trey Young doing that too. No, that's why um, I said Trey, Trey and Harden. Oh, I, okay. Trey and Harden. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. So – you know that that to me is different. Although it's uh, they were thinking about fouls that year, so that's part of it. Uh, but certainly allowing more contact on those drives is a little bit different than that those plays. Um, and they basically was like it was like playoff rules, right? They were playing it like it was the playoffs, and they should do that for the rest for the regular season. I don't know why they went away from that because it was definitely a difference uh, then than compared to now.
0: It, it's hard to uh, uh, officiate players like Pat Bev. Because sometimes they set the tone early in the game, and you can't just foul them out.
1: Right, but by you're talking about Pat Beck's defense. I I, I was even referencing his offensive play too, okay. because it's all part of that. Now uh, Brunson did the same move where he pulled up early on. Um, he, does
0: that. he does that. He does that a yeah.
1: lot. Yeah. And I have it. I don't know if I can show, but I have it. Um, and they didn't give it to him. He didn't get the call. He where actually, like,
0: yeah, he's actually really good at drawing fouls w- without making it look like so floppy. You know.
1: Yeah, and, and by the way, but it's all a similar concept of when you're, you know, you're gathering early before the defense is ready. And then, it, you know, and then there's a contact, you know, like when, when MB did it, and that was another video I did. And then Pat, Patrick Beverly did it. Uh, everyone wanted to say it was not a basketball play. But if you were to Photoshop out the defender, all you would see was a guy drive to the basket, gather on the one foot and, and jump off that foot at the same time they're, they're gathering and then shoot a jump shot. How is that not a basketball play? It looks just like a basketball play. Like it's so strange to me, like that they they perceive it that way. And that's why I'm out there trying to help. And people, again, speaking of that whole like information that people don't want to accept when they have their mind made up. Um, no matter no matter of rational evidence or discussion about it seems to have any effect, which makes me wonder why am I even doing it anymore. But you know, if I can reach one person, it's worth it, right? But um, that it's been a fascinating thing. And then it goes back into the notion of um, if the refs make a mistake, which happens. Um, the, the fans think that they deserve abuse. And that's the other problem that I, I have a problem with. Um, is it's, nobody deserves abuse. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody misreads something every now and then, especially when you're a referee in an NBA game. They don't do it a lot, but when it happens, it's no cause to be screaming. Now, I, by, by the way, my buddy, I went to my, uh, my best friend's uh, kids game, uh, let's see, it's JV game the other day, and there's about 10 or 20 people in the gym, and my buddy, who's the father of the kid out there, was yelling, you know, and you, everyone in the gym is going to hear it when he's yelling about the refs, and I was kind of cringing the whole time. But afterwards, I thanked the refs. I walked up to them and said, thank you so much for, for doing this for us. He said, hey, call your friend over. <laughs> and my friend comes over, and he sits there for 10 minutes in, before the varsity game starts, and explained to him exactly what the issues were with the calls and why he didn't call them, and it was awesome. And don't think the referees don't hear it. They hear all of that, right? And, and he was like, and he remembered exactly the plays that he was yelling at profusely. And I got to tell you, it's a rare case for the referee didn't have an ego enough where he was willing to explain it and talk to him in a rational way. It was wonderful, and hopefully my friend took that to heart as well. But um, anyway, it's, it's, uh,
0: these are they're human people, human beings. They're human beings, and in New York, the refs talk trash back. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs>
1: um well let's let's finish up here we can talk about the bucks for a few minutes and then I got to get out of here. Um the bucks. I I thought it might have taken longer um for Doc to reveal himself than four games. It actually only took like two games, right? But we're kind of seeing and listen, it's not fair at all to criticize Doc for at least another month, right? He just got there. What's he really doing? Whatever. So, but it's it is you know it is a meme or it is a whatever to kind of say Doc you whatever. The, you're, but. Talking,
0: you're talking about the coach of the Eastern Conference All-Star team,
1: right? Right, the guy who's going to jump in. What do you think about that? I guess he's got to do it, right? It certainly can't be give Adrian it, Griffin. Give
0: it, give it to Tibbs. Give it to Tibbs.
1: Yeah, Tibbs, I, I have. You know what? Tibbs. I kind of agree with that. You know, Tibbs is second place. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Tibbs, the Knicks are second place. I, I kind of feel like it would have been really amazing uh, for Doc to do that, but I, I have a feeling that. Knowing Tibbs,
0: Tibbs would have been like, ah, oh, I don't want to do it. Don't give it to me. I want to go on a vacation. <laughs> Noah Tibbs, he probably, I don't know Tibbs, but just from the outside looking in, from what I understand, from what I hear about him, he probably wants to work on Nick's stuff during that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I, I feel like having to coach the All-Stars is a is a, a chore, um, you know, because it's not really doing much, and it's, uh, it's probably just a lot of events, and it's really hassling, especially when you get a, the other coaches all get, uh, you know, a nice vacation for a while. Uh, I think that they probably all would prefer
0: that. I, they, they, I feel like the NBA could do. This is an opportunity to do something creative, like bringing an old coach. I don't know, something different, like somebody that, you know, you want to see do well. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like you could think of something in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. It's an, it's um, an opportunity. It's an all-star game. It's fun, you know? Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, and then and, and and then last night the Bucks lost a, a big lead in the fourth quarter with like 11 minutes to go. They had a 12, 14 point lead, and they just fell apart against the Jazz of all teams. Um, it's not a good look. And, and by the way, I, I did do a quick check. I didn't get a chance to watch the game, so I am talking out of my rear end. But I did look at the um, the uh, PopcornMachine.net uh, game flow, and when you look at the big run that the Jazz made, uh, Doc did not make one sub. For eight
0: or nine or ten they bring, minutes, they
1: should bring and
0: in Larry, they should bring in Larry Bird uh, as a coach. Yeah, it's in Indiana. He is Indiana. What for he the Bucks? In, no, for the Eastern Conference All Star team.
1: Oh, oh, you're still on the All Star game. I'm talking about the Bucks game. In okay, all right. On, you're about okay. Bringing Larry right. Bird to coach the that's that would be. By the way, if there was a player who did or if there's a person who didn't want to coach the All Star game more than Tibbs, it would be Larry Bird. I can guarantee you that. Um, he would okay, definitely proceed, not want proceed, to do
0: that. Proceed, proceed. Yeah.
1: So anyway, um, so, you know, the issue we we have with Doc is, you know, there's certain stuff in the clutch and as the pressure mounts and he, he tends to, my, I did a video, you should go watch it about all of his game sevens, uh, that he, he's lost in the playoffs. And, uh, it, was there a pattern? And I, I, my concern with Doc is that he gets so upset with the refs and all the other stuff he can't control and his body language and his communication. I honestly feel like it affects the players. The players climb onto that as well, and then they start getting all sort of you know out of sorts and emo- and uh, dis- disrupt their emotional equilibrium. And it ha- and, and once that starts to happen, weird stuff will happen. The players will make plays they would never have normally made. Uh, terrible passes, throwing away or losing the dribble, all sorts of stuff. You're like, what is going on here? And because it, that's a pattern across all of his you know his playoff losses like that, you have I, I just sort of made this this. Um, this this argument that it's related to the coach uh, as much as anything else and so uh and that's a fixable thing i think he could i mean uh, at this age i don't know if he's gonna ever change but um i just get i get frustrated watching that because it, it does i i know it has an effect on your team when you're like that too often yeah did you ever I mean, play for a coach like that oh my god overseas they're
0: insane it's like so, so it's constant screaming constant yelling constant anger it's the greatest thing in the world when you score. It's the worst thing in the world when you don't score. And then it's like you're either complaining about what a player is doing or the ref. Every single play down the court. Sub. Not. I've had some good coaches overseas. I'm saying there was a few of them like that. Like it was just total wild emotion, one way swing or the other. Yeah. And, right. and it was. And, and it's, it was a lot. A lot of times it was a lot more results based than process based. Like, like, great ball movement. You know, open shot in the corner. He misses. Coach is still angry. Yeah. Like, it was oh. crazy.
1: I, I got to tell you, I'm going to relate a story real quick. I was in, um, let's see, can I tell you the team? I was at Division two College uh, installing my defense, uh, the Chase defense, where you play behind as a zone. And mm-hmm. uh, I got to tell you, I, for two straight days, I basically was like almost like the head coach. So he, like, he just
0: let me run them through this thing. I think I, think I know what college it is because you were here. Yes,
1: I, you, know, you can see the video. But anyway, uh, at the end of the first day, it was a Thursday night. And this is college, right? Thursday night's the night it's where everyone likes to go out, right? Yep. You know, and it was early you know, season. I mean, this is like... In New York, yeah. it's every day, but I see what you're saying. The college yeah, night. So It's like yeah, a it's college, college yeah, Thursday it's night. Yeah. And it's getting close to like 8 o'clock at night at this point, right? And we've been going hard for two hours and all defense, half court, full court, the whole thing, really hard. And I got to tell you, um, the coach blew the whistle to wrap everything up and, and let him go. And I swear to God, every single one of them said, Coach, we want to keep doing this. Can we still have more time? And we looked at each other, and i never, ever heard that before. And then we let them play for another 20 minutes doing it. Now, the reason I think that that was happening was because the way I was coaching the defense was process-based, not results. So all we wanted was then the, the, the offense to shoot mid-range shots with a hand up. That's it. I didn't care if it went in or not. didn't matter. And I would cheer when it happened. You know, And I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll stop them again if it went in. You know, or if they' shot a floater, all I wanted was a hand up, floaters and and, and mid range. And when they got when they actually successfully closed out to get behind with this new footwork I taught him with a hockey stop, uh, that again, cheering, it was exciting to see that do that and start chasing the offense and see the offense get all discombobulated that way. Um, I think that if you were to use that method of communication and the rest of your defense, you'd probably find players who would want to play defense more. (laughs) You know what I mean? And by the way, why don't they want to play defense? Because we teach them awful step sliding, choppy step closeouts, all of these things that limit your athletic ability. And I think deep down the players know that they're limiting their athletic ability. When I run this defense, it's all running and explosion and movement and freedom to get to where you need to go the quickest way you can. And I think that when you tap into that, they recognize that and said, oh, we want to keep doing this. And I want to stop having to do the things that are old and don't aren't very effective, you know, biomechanically uh, where my coach is going to yell at me angrily because of it. And even if I do play great defense and the guy scores, that happens. I still get yelled at that utility would feed into that hatred of defense. I think we can change the entire defensive philosophy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, process-based is always the way to go, especially if you have a philosophy as a coach that you feel like works, that you see it work over time. Even in the short term, if yeah. things aren't going your way, you know over the course of a season in the playoffs it's going to work in your favor.
1: Uh, I think. I, or, or they've just been doing it for so long and just, it, it feels like it works and so they're going to keep doing it. But um, there's always better ways to do it. Hence, you know, some people who are seekers and, and, and on the journey uh, are always looking for that. So, well, listen, Combo, i got to run. I well, gotta go to my next thing. Great, and, great,
0: uh, great, great show on the fly.
1: Yeah, for sure. Awesome show. Uh, great to have it. We'll be back here again on Monday with everybody out here, so don't miss that. And don't miss. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll have some. Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday evening. I'll be. I'll get some videos back up on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So please get back there, watch them. Um, let me know what you want to see, and uh, we will go from there. And um, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? Yes, sir.